The first scripture reading comes to us from Psalm 51. Psalm 51, verse 10 to 13. You all would remember this psalm is the confession of King David after he sinned against Bathsheba and Uriah. And in verses 10 to 13, he expresses the desire of his heart to God if God forgives his sin and restores King David to himself. Then he expresses to God what he wants to do. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a high spirit within me, a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit, take, your, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then David said, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Turn to John chapter 4. As we continue uh, making our journey through uh, the Gospel of John, we come now to come to uh, John chapter 4, beginning from verse 27 to 42. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me, all that I ever did, can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see what the fields, that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving the wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor." Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. 
He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed three, two days. There two days. And many more believed because of his word. They say to the woman, it is no longer because of what you say that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, as we now come to the preaching and the exposition of your word, once again we ask you to give us eyes that would see, hearts that would treasure your word into our own hearts, and lives that would apply what we are going to hear this morning in our own Christian life and walk. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Since we started looking at John chapter 4, we have been considering Jesus' conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well of Jacob in Sikar. You remember Jesus came to Samaria, not by chance, but he came to Samaria by divine appointment. A Jew in a place where no Jew caught even dead. Jews would never go to Samaria. In fact, they would go to a great expense, both physically, physically and financially, to go around Samaria. They don't want to have anything to do with the Samaritans. Because as I told you earlier, they viewed the Samaritans as people who have given up their, their Jewish purity. For the Israelites, for the Jewish people, the Samaritans were unclean. They viewed them as people who have abandoned Judaism and embraced the religion of Samaria. Now, you remember in verse 1 to 15, our Lord Jesus Christ invited the woman to the living water himself, Jesus himself, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the woman didn't understand him. In fact, she said to Jesus, give me this water so that I will never come back again to this, this well, Jacob's well in this place. For physical water. Jesus was actually inviting this woman to receive a living spiritual water, to receive eternal water so that she will not be thirst ever again. But she missed the point. And we remember last Sunday, Jesus 
took this woman to the next level. And he told her, go home and bring your husband to me. She said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, yes, you are saying the truth. You don't have a husband. You had five husbands. And the one with whom you live now, he's not your husband. You are not in a biblical marriage. You are engaging in adultery. You are a sinful woman. That was the reason why Jesus took this woman to the next level to expose her to her sin. I told you last Sunday, Jesus was penetrating into the heart of this woman so that she would see her need for a Savior, for the forgiveness of her sins. And instead, this woman deal with her sin. And she was not tricking Jesus. She was not... Uh, running away from her sin. Because Jesus allowed her to do that. She asked Jesus to teach her about true worship. She said, I perceive that you are a prophet. And as a prophet, I want you now to teach me about worship. Which, is, which one is true worship? To worship God in Jerusalem or to worship God on this mountain, mountain of Gerizim? Because our fathers told us to worship God on this mountain is unacceptable worship, which is true. And Jesus told her, worship is a matter of the heart. Worship is not a matter of a location. You cannot confine or localize God in one place. God is spirit. And those who worship God must worship him in his spirit and in truth. That's where we left everything last Sunday. But at the end of their conversation, the woman came to faith because she told Jesus, I know the Messiah is coming. And when the Messiah, the Christ, comes, he will tell us everything that we need to know. And Jesus said to her, woman, here I am. I am that Messiah. I am that Christ. Now, what then? That's the question that I want us to ask you this morning. She was converted. She became a believer. Then what? Her sins was forgiven. She was united with Jesus Christ by faith. This woman now is a believer. Then what? Then, brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus, by his grace, uses this woman to provide to us An example of pure evangelism. An example of pure evangelism. I want you to keep this in mind this morning. God's will for all believers is to engage into his gospel work by directing others to Jesus. Jesus did this with this woman. He pointed her to himself. And that this woman went to her town and she pointed people in the town to Jesus Christ. And then he told his disciples, look, look, what do you see before your own eyes? And they saw this woman coming to Jesus and the crowd, the people in the town following her. So Jesus did it. 
The woman did it. And the disciples were told by Jesus to do it. And from our text this morning, we learn three important lessons, beloved. First, I want us to consider the example of gospel, the, the example of gospel testimony. You see that from verse 27 to 30. And then I want us to consider the priority for gospel testimony from verse 31 to 35. And then thirdly, a call to gospel testimony, verse 36 to 42. The example of gospel testimony. What does directing people to Jesus looks like. Let's learn that from the Samaritan woman. The disciples went to the city to buy food. What was in their mind? Food. What was in their mind? To eat. Eat food. Then they came to the place where they left Jesus and they saw him Talking to a woman. This would never happen in Israel. A rabbi would never talk to a woman, especially him and the woman alone. This will never happen in Israel. This was taboo. He's crossing all these boundaries at the time. A Jew talking to a woman, not only a woman, a Gentile woman, a Samaritan woman. Now notice, for the disciples, the question, why are we in Samaria in the first place, was not enough. You see, even though they have Many questions in their hearts. But they didn't say anything to Jesus. But John here tells us, just then, his, just then his disciples came back, they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? These are things that they should have asked to Jesus, but they didn't ask these questions. And the question deep in their heart was, not why, because they know Jesus, whatever he does is righteous. They know that. The question is, what? What is going on? What is the purpose of God in here? What are you trying to accomplish? What's going on? What's happening here? They marveled. And deep in their heart they were asking what? What is going on? Even though they didn't ask those questions. But Jesus was going to answer that, those questions for them. But before he even started answering their question, the woman did something powerful. She left her jar and went to the town. 
very powerful act. That's what John tells us. The woman left the jar and she went to the town. It was an act of faith. It was an act of obeying God to go to others and point them to Jesus. She already started participating in the work of God's kingdom. Beyond of your imagination. She left her jar. She was seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, say Jesus. And in John 1.29, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who will take away the sins of the world. And this woman is now engaged in the business of pointing people to the Messiah. It was as if she was saying, drawing water from this well is not my concern right now. I'm going to leave my jar here, go to my... My priority right now is to tell my people about Jesus, about the Messiah. I don't care if I'm thirsty. I don't care if I ever come back to the well of Jacob here. My concern right now is to go tell people about this man. Listen to what John tells us. So the woman left her jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see. See a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Isn't that amazing? She goes to town and she um, takes her, the story of her life, open to the public. No shame, no guilt. Listen, listen, look, see the man who told me everything about my life. You people, you think you know me? You don't know me. He knows me more than you know me. You see what happened to this woman? Jesus lifted up her guilt, her guilt and shame. Now she openly was talking about her own sin with the people. I'm a sinful woman. I'm a very moral woman. In case if you don't know me, know me now. He told me everything about my life. True, repentant, and forgiven sinner has no shame to talk about his own sin, her own sin with other people. That's a testimony for God's grace. People always ask me, when I witness, what do I say? I don't even know what I say to people. Well, tell them you were a sinner and you are now forgiven. Tell them the truth of the gospel and what God did in your life. David did that in Psalm 51, 3 and 4. For I know my transgressions. 
My sin is ever before me against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your eyes. And he said this in front of the whole Israel. A king. In open air. What about Paul in 1 Timothy 1.15? Think about Paul. And listen to what he said about himself. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the chief. I am on the high rank as a sinner. Sinner number one, Paul. You know what Paul was doing? I am the chief sinner of all people who have been saved by the mercy and the grace of God. But I am a sinner. I was a sinner. And this woman goes public about her sin. Because Jesus lifted her, her burden, burden of guilt and shame. She, she knows that she was a sinner in, a, in need of a savior. She knows that God knows that she is a sinner. But she also knows that she has received mercy and forgiveness from Jesus. Despite that she is a sinner, she has received the gift of eternal life from Jesus. She knows this. So no shame. Do you now see how she provides for us a pure example for gospel testimony? She didn't go to a seminary, no seminary degree, no Bible school training. She didn't take evangelism classes. But this woman knows that what she knew about Jesus was true. And true truth is to be shared. Truth is not to be hidden. Truth is not to be ashamed of. Truth is to be, to be shared with other people. Listen, she didn't know everything about Jesus. She didn't know everything about theology. But she knew what she knew, her limited knowledge about Jesus was true. He was the Messiah. And the Messiah came to die for sinners. She knew that. It was true. So she, she shared the truth with the people. She was in one accord, accord with the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died and died for all that those who, who, who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and raise it for them. But I want, to, I want you to point, to point you to one statement that Paul made. 
The love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ compels us. I think that, that's the, the, the proper word there. The love of Christ compels us. You don't witness because your love for Christ compels you. It should compel you. But ultimately you witness because his love at the cross compels you. Not your love. Your love is not consistent. My love for Jesus, your love for Jesus changes from time to time. It's not perfect. His love is perfect. That perfect love at the cross compels you to share the truth with other people. Compels you. Let me ask you this. Would you feel uncomfortable to tell people how much your, your wife loves you? I will never feel uncomfortable to tell people how much Betty loves me. So why do we feel uncomfortable to tell people how much Jesus loved us at the cross? Why do we say, I'm not sure, you know, it makes me uncomfortable to share the love of Christ with other people? And, and sometimes people say, believers say, who gave me the right to impose my own religion on others? You're not imposing your religion on others. You're saving them from hell. Do you want to see your family members and your friends, your co-workers in hell? That love at the cross should compel you. This woman went not to Galilee, to Samaria, her own people. The people who knew her as adulterous woman. She went to them and she told them, look, I found this man. He knows everything about me, my sin. And you should come and listen to him. And then that brings us to priority, to for gospel testimony. The disciples, after they saw all these things, say to Jesus, eat. Teacher, you must eat. You must be hungry. Jesus said to them, but I have food that you, you, don't, know about, you don't know about. And they were confused. These are disciples. These are apostles. And they were confused. Did anyone bring him food? Maybe this woman gave him food. Jesus told them, you don't understand. You don't know what my food is. My food is to do the will of my Father. Right now, my priority is to seek worshipers for my Father. Worshipers who would worship Him in spirit and in truth. And in order to do that, I, I must reveal myself to them like what I did with this woman. I must expose them to their sin. Bring them to faith. And then bring them to my Father so that they would worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's my food. My food is the salvation of the elect. My food is the salvation of the people of God. My food is the salvation of the sheep that I must bring to the flock. Jesus always said, 
I have come to the world not to do my own will, but to do the will of my Father in heaven. And the will of his, his Father in heaven was, number one, for him to die on the cross, to remove the wrath of God from sinners and reconcile them to the Holy God, then to bring them to true worship. Because here Jesus told the people, my Father is seeking true worshipers. Even now, as you hear the preaching of the Word of God, the Father is seeking true worshipers who would worship Him in spirit and in truth. So you see, Jesus was telling the disciples, this is my priority in life. To do the will of my Father. To obey my Father. The implication is, Is that our food? Is that our priority? Yes, we should eat physical food, you know, nourishes our body. We, we need food, we should eat, we should drink. But is that our priority in life? Eating and drinking? Appointing people to Christ. Lastly, a call to Gospel testimony. The picture is amazing, beloved. When Jesus told the disciples, my priority is to do the will of my Father, he told his disciples to look around, to look what was coming to them, to look to what was before their eyes. Do you know what they saw? They saw the Samaritan woman coming toward Jesus. And behind the women were people from the town. And Jesus told the disciples, look, look, look! The harvest is white. It's time for you to gather the harvest. I have sown the seed. And it grew in the life of this woman. She went to the town and brought all these people to me. Go, go and gather the harvest. Let us work together in my father's kingdom. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said, the sower and the, rib, the river, and they, they gather the harvest together. They enjoy the harvest together. From what Jesus teaches us here. Yes, there are many people around us who hate God, who hate the, the, the law of God, the word of God. But the world around us is a mission field for us. The, the, the world around us is a field upon which the word of God will be sown, and you and I go, and we gather the harvest. How, how do we do that? Uh, we do that like how the Samaritan women did it. We go to people, and we tell them at least one thing, at least one thing. We tell them, come, come to church with me, and listen to Jesus. Come to church with me and listen to the man who told me everything about me. 
Maybe some of us inviting someone to church. We don't, maybe we don't view that as participate in the work of God's kingdom. Isn't that what this woman did? She brought them to Jesus. She brought them to Jesus. But then they came. They asked Jesus. They pleaded him to stay in their town. And Jesus stayed for two more days, teaching them about the kingdom of God. And they told to the woman, and this is amazing. They told the woman, listen, we didn't believe in Jesus because of what you told us. Thank you for telling us. Thank you for directing us to Jesus. But we didn't believe because of your word. We believe it because of his word. We heard God's word from this man. The prophet, the Messiah, told us about our sin, our need for a Savior, for salvation, for forgiveness. Because of what he told us, now we believe. The woman believed it and she spoke like the psalmist. I believe it, therefore I spoke. But the people told the woman, it's because of what he told us. So, beloved, let me ask you this, this morning. As you consider these things in your own heart this afternoon, reflect on them. Let me remind you what Jesus said in John three seventeen: For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus would never come to, to Samaria if Sinners will be condemned after he came. Sinners were already condemned. He came not to condemn, he came to save. Even now Jesus is among us. His spirit is among us. His word is with us. For us to show the world around us that Jesus came not to condemn but to give eternal life. John 6, 38, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And what is the will of God who sent him in that context? Not losing those whom he gave me. The question to all of us this morning is, are you sharing the truths about Jesus? The truths that you, you know about Jesus. I don't know everything about Jesus. You don't know everything about Jesus. But we know something about Jesus. We know that he died for us on the cross. We know that he reconciled us with his father. We know that he is our mediator between God and us. But those limited knowledge are true and they are to be shared. Are you sharing them with others? May the Lord grant us his grace to follow the example of this Samaritan woman in her testimony.
about God's grace and share the truth of the gospel with others. Listen, beloved, this month is the month where many, many people are remembering and celebrating the birth of Christ. Some with true knowledge, some biblically, some not. Just for fun. It is time for us, for you and I, wherever God takes us, family members, friends, stores, wherever God takes us this month, just to be like this Samaritan woman. Would you come to church with me? And the Savior will tell you everything that you, you need to know about your life. Come with me. That will be enough. And may the Lord help us to do that by his grace. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, thank you for the provision of your word, the insight into your word. This woman indeed, like how Charles Spurgeon described her, she was great in sin, but then you turn, turned her into great in zeal. Great in sin, but then great in zeal. Oh Lord, make us great in zeal. Zeal for the gospel. Zeal for the power of the gospel. To point many people to your son Jesus Christ so that they too would receive the living water, eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together and respond.